they can't really ever figure out why the person that they, they think they put in there has reneged on all their promises and turned the tyrant on them. And mainly it's because, too, they don't do any homework whatsoever, but it's also partly due uh, that whatever candidates are presented to the public, um, they're always given a fictitious background, uh, almost a Hollywood image. It's completely fictitious. And we're never told really who's backing them, who's the big boys behind them, until they're elected and then the big fat rats come out of the, their cesspools again. And we find out who they are, and now it's emerging who's been backing Obama. The real ones, who are the real movers and shakers, because Obama isn't a shaker, he's just a mouthpiece. I'll be back with more after this break. I'm Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix, talking about the politicians that are presented to the public with their fake backgrounds, very, very Hollywoodish backgrounds. And it's no wonder because they use professional scriptwriters and image makers. And there's nothing better than poor boy makes good idea. The Rothschild started off the same way and told the same lie over and over and how they sold rags in, in a ghetto. And just out of, you know, collecting rags and reselling them, they could afford a few gold coins, which are eventually managed to sell to a prince. And he went on from there, uh, just with that, being thrifty, being thrifty, you see. Utter BS, as they say, because in reality, old Anshul worked in one of the biggest banks in Frankfurt. That's where he was taught his trade. But we always get the same story over and over. And I know that Obama sat on the boards of big charitable foundations, the ones that dish out the money. But the way it's going here, you'd think truly he ran around the streets and collected money in a tin cup. And nothing is further from the truth. You have to go into his background, his mother, and so on, his father. And you have to go into the... This is the only sites where you'll find him actually being concrete about any projections of what he'd do if he was in power. And that's the Council on Foreign Relations. That's far more important to them than the public, you see. The CFR, basically, are one of the biggest groups, NGO groups, that dictate public policy. And that's where you find them giving their answers to things. Now, we've had the fascist bunch in, and their job was to get the fascist system set up, but also to try and to appear to be still American, even though they were putting massive security and surveillance and taking all the rights away of the citizenry. They didn't uh, go out full uh, length the Kyoto and all of this stuff and sustainable development. Now they've brought the other boy in, you see, who will then put the cap on it by introducing all those things that the other one didn't and making full use of the completely surveilled society. That's how the game is played. And as I say, when you watch who's appointed, you'll see the big fat rats come out and go into their histories and you'll, you'll see the usual, usual shots you'll get by their backgrounds to do with the military-industrial complex is very, very interesting. And what's also interesting, too, is Obama's big speech he made not so long ago about the necessity for an internal security army, basically, a civilian one, a million strong, the new Stasi, basically. 
for the U.S. So uh, this is being played exactly as it was planned, not by him, but the same group that plans both sides and how they pull the wool over the eyes of the public. The public never, never learn. They get the, the glance at the newspapers. Even the newspapers have it all broken down, have that average person looks at the headlines, looks at the, the photographs, gets the basic idea, and that's what's left in their head. That's all the, that's as far as they think, in fact. And plus, they're always looking for a savior who will undo all the bad things that the previous bunch did. Well, that's never happened in history with a change of government. I always thought that was odd when I was a child, how conservative and labor would take turns supposedly ruling the country and arguing about policies and laws, etc. And then when the next bunch comes in, they don't throw those laws out. They just keep them on the books and pretend they'd never objected in the first place. This is how it's run. It's a show for the public. The United Nations was set up, remember, go into its history, for those who haven't gone into its history, try and get a hold of the old books that were written by the big players at the time, who were very upfront about the fact it was set up to be world government, a socialist-run system. Socialist did not mean it was for the working people. It meant that the working people would be run in an expert fashion, population control, all of that was tied into it. But they also talked about a world government and how they'd have to phase it in, in stages, because the nations of the world, the populations of the world, were not ready to give up their sovereignty. And therefore, go on the trail and you'll find out how they plan to do it. And if you've lived long enough, you'll see that they've implemented most of those plans. It's very, very simple. It's intergenerational. And Carl Quigley and others have mentioned that a foundation, one single foundation, can plan something and go 200 years with this mandate. Because people come and go and get retired, new ones come on, trained in the same mandate, and it can always achieve its objective, long-term strategy. That's as simple as that. Not difficult at all. When you have masses of money in these foundations... Mark Bard, who writes ParallelNormal.com on his issue now November the 7th today, 2008, says UN Uber Alice rules establish rain from outer space. Announcement encourages lowly earthlings to salute global governance. The European Space Agency next Friday will launch a copy of the UN's 1948 Universal Declaration of Human Rights to a permanent spot aboard a space lab orbiting the Earth. Good PR stunt. Very expensive, but why not? It's only taxpayers paying for it. It's a symbolic gesture celebrating an empty promise which the UN made 60 years ago to protect the world's most vulnerable people. In recognition of the fact that human beings are at times downtrodden, the declaration can symbolically find its place above all the peoples of the world. ESA astronaut Leopold E. Hearts said, announcement below. The Universal Declaration promises freedom from bondage and a handful of other rights that only a psychopath could find object- objectionable against covered mum's apple pie. But the Universal Declaration is more than a list of shared values. It also includes a passage 
or passages that strip away individual liberties and increase the power of the state. Uh, the UN has stated the biggest threat they have is individuality. And not just them, all the big players that worked with them. Article 26 of the Universal Declaration lays the ground rules for global public education. Education shall be directed to the full development of the human personality and shall further the activities of the United Nations for the maintenance of peace. But you have to go into it, you see, because they set up UNESCO, the Department of the United Nations, just to give us a global standardized system of education where social engineering and propaganda would be taught unabashedly. And that's what's been happening. I've read some articles about that recently. Articles in 16 and 25 state that families, particularly women and children, are entitled to protection by society and the state. And here's the kicker. According to Article 29 of the Universal Declaration, if exercising your human rights brings you into conflict with the purposes and principles of the United Nations, your rights become null and void. In other words, if you have any conflict with the United Nations and their stated aims and purposes, then you have no rights. They'll decide that you have no rights whatsoever. Your rights become null and void. Now, you better understand what that means. Your rights become null and void. It also means that your rights for protection and freedom, etc., are taken away from you. Be very, very clear on that. And you can look into the story on parallelnormal.com's website. It's, as I say, it's, um, it's, it's quite the agenda that's underway right now. George Orwell talked about this ability to control vast herds of people in his book 1984. The reason he could talk about this and understand it so well was he had been selected to work and even fight physically for world socialism. He was a member of a long lineage of bureaucrats, high-level bureaucrats for Britain. His father uh, was in charge of the Burma Opium Company for the royal family who owned it in the 1930s. And he had a very good education and university, the Ivy League type. He fought uh, in Spain in the Civil War there. And when he came back, he went around the social circuits telling the people they'd all been conned, been fooled, and that world socialism was a big lie. And it was vastly different from the communism, as you've been told it was so similar to. And then all the lefties turned against him. He was given a job in the BBC during World War II in a department of propaganda. That's how he learned the skills of propaganda. And his job, literally, he said himself, was to convince the average housewife that the junk they were getting as meat and food because the rationing in World War II was actually healthier for them and better for them. And they told them how to make new recipes up. In other words, we were changing reality, completely changing reality. And, of course, he met many of the other levels of propaganda that was running Britain at that time. And he realized that everything was distortion of perception. And it was all deliberate. He coined the terms double-think, which is to know and not to know at the same time. 
to be conscious of complete truthfulness while telling carefully constructed lies. That's what bureaucrats and politicians do. You're conscious of complete truthfulness, but you tell carefully constructed lies. To hold simultaneously two opinions which cancelled each other out. Knowing them to be contradictory and believing in both of them. We hear that all the time too. To use logic against logic to repudiate morality while laying claim to it. They're always pretending they're so moral in their speeches. But we always see what they're really doing. And yet we'll still stand up for their for what they say, not for what they do. Remember what Toynbee said, we always refute with our mouth that which we do with our hands. I'll be back with more after the following break. I'm Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix, showing you how some of the psychological techniques are used on not just the public, but even on bureaucrats themselves. Because they'll tell you with a straight face that they're, they're doing something in this direction, and that they believe in the, the worth of it, and so on, and hold a completely contradictory opinion to themselves personally, and still go along with both of them as though they were both quite correct, even though they're opposite ends of the spectrum. That's that's true cognitive dissonance. So you have to hold simultaneous two opinions, knowing them to be both contradictory and believing in both of them at the same time. To use logic against logic, to repudiate morality while laying claim to it. To believe that democracy was impossible, that the party was the guardian of democracy at the same time. To forget whatever it was necessary to forget, then to drop back into memory again at the moment when it was needed, and then promptly to forget it again. And above all, to apply the same process to the process itself. That was the ultimate subtlety, consciously to induce unconsciousness, and then, once again, to be unconscious of the act of hypnosis you had just performed. Even to understand the word doublethink involves the use of doublethink. And ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? That's how it's run. Listen to the, the statements and opinions by people you know. The contradictory opinions they can hold in their heads at the same time. And they'll say it with bright, wide eyes and stare at you. Arnold Toynbee, who took over from his father, is the, basically the guardian of All Souls College, that's the inner college for long-standing life members of the Rhodes Scholarship for World Government. He, he talked about, as I say, always denying with their mouths, their lips, that, that which they do with their hands. It's as simple as that. The public all knows something, but a person has to deny it, appear to be convincing with that nice angelic face, and we want to believe them. And so we accept the second version, not what we see. That happens all the time. But here's what he said about the United States. He was talking, remember he was a historian and philosopher too, to an extent, heavily involved in the world government scenario and gave speeches across the planet back in the 30s and, and even before that. And he said, he was talking about the, how, how 
the U.S. was set up to take over from Britain as the policeman of the world to bring in the world system, the world government. And he talked about how it would falter, uh, just like Rome, and rise for a while and appear to be all-conquering, and then fall again and then rise once more. Each one is like a, a smaller wave until it would just fall apart within. He says the U.S. will set a record in the rate of rise and fall of an empire between wide open borders and fall of the dollar and growing population against the declining resource base, the U.S. will be defeated from within. Mobs will rule the streets in the nation that is now the third largest in the world and unable to support its population except by taking resources from other countries. And that comes from a guy who was up there with the Royal Institute of International Affairs, comes from the Foreign Relations the Cecil Rhodes Foundation, Lord Milner Group, the big boys that really run the show for world government, the guys who set up, in fact, this system for world government, predicting all that time ago what the agenda would be. Meanwhile, they just announce things in the media as though they're just rediscovering it today. The same think tanks have been working with their mandates for over 100 years and publishing their findings for anyone who wants to read it. It's not really happy reading, and there's a lot of people who cannot handle the bad news. We're taught to be egocentric in this system, and there's nothing wrong with being happy, but you can be a stupid, uh, happy person as well, uh, especially when the world that you knew it has been taken away from you, and you've been cancelled off. You've been marked off the list is surplus population or a useless eater. Here's an article from the CBC, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, and it's entitled The Disappearing Male, November the 6th, 2008. It showed, I think, yesterday for the first time, but it's going to show again on Saturday, November the 8th at 10 p.m. Eastern Time on CBC Newsworld worth watching, because I've talked a lot about this and how there are no accidents and what's been happening to me, the people, we're being bioengineered by design, we're being killed off by design, exactly as Charles Galton Darwin wrote about in his book, The Next Million Years, and many other books besides, all confirming the same agenda, through inoculations, food tampering, water tampering. They'd introduce hormones and so on into society, which would make the male pretty well sterile. And it would also alter the characteristics of both male and female. Well, we've lived through that phase. Happened very quickly. But had all the time in the world to plan it, all the money in the world to implement it, and a, a dumb public that doesn't seem to notice much because they don't think for themselves. They actually do believe that media will tell them what they think about and what's important. And because of that, all the media has to do is not tell you what's important and what's really going on, and you can be quite happy and egocentric. And see, most folk can't handle the bad news, so never ever overload people who can't take it. People are breaking down and becoming psychotic with the information that's, that's out there. I hear the break coming, so I'll hold off on the story till after I come back. See you in a minute. Thank you. 
You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, I am Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. I've been talking about the disappearing mail. An article from the CBC, which is replaying again. And I've given the, the dates for it. Saturday, November the 8th, replay 10 p.m. Eastern Time on CBC News World. And it says here, we're conducting a vast toxicological experiment in which our children and our children's children are the experimental subjects, Dr. Herbert Needleham says. The disappearing male is about one of the most important and least publicized issues facing the human species, the toxic threat to the male reproductive system. So you're getting a kick in the you-know-what. The last few decades have seen steady and dramatic increases in the incidence of boys and young men suffering from genital deformities, low sperm count, sperm abnormalities, and testicular cancer. Some researchers say that declining male fertility rates could be the first sign of extinction. No kidding. <laughs> no kidding. At the same time, boys are now far more at risk of suffering from ADHD, autism, Tourette syndrome, cerebral palsy, and dyslexia. The disappearing male takes a close and disturbing look at what many doctors and researchers now suspect, like they now suspect, this is the bottom level of researchers doing it, that's what's called research, they're doing it all over again. The real stuff that caused it was done up in the military-industrial complex a long time ago. That was the searching. So they're responsible for many of these problems, a class of common chemicals, that are ubiquitous in our world, found in everything from shampoo, sunglasses, meat and dairy products, carpet, cosmetics, and baby bottles. They're called hormone-mimicking or endocrine-disrupting chemicals, and they may be starting to damage the most basic building blocks of human development. No kidding. But don't talk about the needle. See, that was another part of it, too. Charles Galton Darwin talked about the needle, and so did Bertrand Russell. The needle, that's the word that Russell liked to use would alter the human being as well. It didn't mean for the better. Well, from his point of view, it was for the better because it would also mean it's very docile. And that was really his whole point about making them docile, but also to get the population cut down. If you want to cut down the population, you simply make people infertile. We see from the 70s onwards, from those who worked in hospitals delivering babies, that many women now have tremendous problems, not just older women, but young ones too, because their hips haven't developed properly and they have problems at childbirth. came out suddenly and just escalated from there. Men started getting skinnier, very little shoulders, and many of them are actually becoming very effeminate today. I don't think it's just the culture push, although it's a big part of it too. I think we're literally being bioengineered, and this is, this is uh, what's really happening. Since facts about male infertility, sperm counts have been cut in half in the last 50 years. It's actually more. And 85% of that is abnormal. No kidding. It's abnormal. I like how they classified that part at the end. It's abnormal. In the last few decades, there's been a 200% increase in male genital birth defects. 200%. Male birth rates have declined. Since 1970, there have been nearly 3 million fewer baby boys. And gives you related articles uh, underneath the site, 
the toxic house is one of them, the toxic chemicals. You've got to understand all of these chemicals are well tested and proven long, long ago. The bisphenol debate was started in the 1930s. They knew how it affected especially males and how, and how it cut down their, their production of, of sperm in later life. They knew all this stuff back then. And I'll put these links on the site at the end of the show once I get up on my website. And we'll go to the callers now. I've got Keith from Dallas there. Are you there, Keith? Good evening, Dr. White. How are you doing? Not so bad. I'm hanging in here. <laughs> good, 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 to, good to hear it. Um, again, once again, great show. Yeah. And I just wanted to say I had a couple of comments. Please excuse me. Um, the first one, we really, really are the malleable clay on the pot as well, aren't we? I mean, it just, they just keep doing whatever they want to us, and no one notices. They don't. No one no. cares. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so sickening just being here and talking to people. I mean, we, people are absolutely dead. I mean, yeah. it's really, really sickening. It's, it's, it's actually painful to talk to people and you try to just give them a little bit of information and they, every time you tell them something, it's, yeah, but, the spray in the yeah. sky, yeah, but, or, <laughs> I know. CFR. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Or, uh, that, um, you know, you tell them things like, well, Barack Obama is sworn to others. And, you know, mm-hmm. he's been groomed for years for his position. And everyone in his cabinet are all CFR or New, New American Century. And, of course, it goes over their heads. And yeah. they don't want to admit that there is a secret society connection to anything that goes on in the world. And I'm like, why, why are you such a Christian? You should be saying, I'm in rock. Yeah. And they don't want to, you know, of course. So, anyway, it's just... I just that, 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 that's it. They, they cannot, pop, they see, they, they truly want to believe in the dream. And the dream is given to them by the media. Uh, they, they want to believe that, because see, domestication is socialized. That's what they mean by socialization. It means domestication. And a domesticated herd want to believe that that farmer keeps them because he likes them. And that's exactly how the human beings are today. Uh, every little uh, little warning sign they used to get through intuition, etc. Before it's pretty well eradicated for them, from them. They don't have that ability for self-preservation anymore. And you're seeing the end product of it. The signs are all around them. They have no privacy whatsoever. And and it's getting worse. It's going to get a lot worse now that 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 with the next bunch in to to push it further. Now that the structure has been set up for implementation, and and even then they'll go to their graves never wanting to believe that this was all planned this way. Or even, I know some people that are, you know, they, they're really heavy into keeping their weapons. They're into the Second Amendment. And I'm, and I'm telling them, well, Barack Obama is absolutely against, you know, you keeping your weapons. I mean, he has a record. Yeah. And they don't want to hear that either. They, they, don't, they don't. They don't. Barack Obama really is there to push the, the globalist. What he's there to do is to bring America into the very structure they've forced across the world on others. That's his job, is to completely socialize America now, run by experts. You'll have the bureaucratic masses that you do have in Britain, and you'll have dictates from all the different, um, we call them ministries in the Commonwealth countries, all these departments of governments, dictating to the public directly. And it's, yeah. it's the most boring, dull, it's Sovietized. It's, it's uh, the most depressing system you can ever imagine where you need permission for everything, 
uh, to do anything at all. You need permission from a ministry. Uh, that's what his job is to do. But you're quite right. He's a complete globalist. And the one thing that came out in his speeches over and over was the world citizenship. Mm-hmm. And people got to understand where that term comes from. Uh, we find that um, it's used by the Rockefeller Foundation. They give out world citizenship awards to all the big players. In fact, most of the big players that have been in the, the positions of presidency or, or even as mayors of cities uh, are world citizens. And they, they're not giving out little worthless awards. They literally are working towards the global citizenship society. A society based after Socrates, ancient Socrates, Socrates that was given the hemlock for causing revolution and goading the young to have revolution and bringing in a new system run by experts. And uh, Socrates said, I'm not a, a citizen of Attica or Athens. I'm a citizen of the world. I'm a world citizen. That's why Rockefeller used that term. It's a, that came from a very secret society that was in existence thousands of years ago. It's amazing to hear, these, to hear the people who just, Again, they, they, they believe what the mainstream television says, and they go on about, oh, it's so sweet. He came from humble beginnings. And I'm like, they said that same thing about Bill Clinton, but we know he's a blue blood in Rockefeller, Claude Rockefeller, possibly. Yes. And they don't want to hear that either. I know. It's yeah, but, you know. It's, it's yeah, but. The silver spoon doesn't seem to, to bother them much. They must think it's a fake one made in China. But these guys were raised on, on a, di- a different teat than the rest of us, believe you me. And, and, I, and so, see, I'd rather have a Muppet in there. Uh, and you have a good laugh with a Muppet, at least. But uh, these characters are just showmen, yeah. I think what's amazing, though, his chief of staff's father, uh, yeah. real terrorist on the level of Mandela, blowing up hotels and massacring civilians. And, that, know, that's why Mandela that was put away, yeah. Mandela was tried in a court, and he said in the court, it's in, it's in the history books there, that, uh, yeah, he was collecting and stealing uh, explosives to blow up um, the, the civilians. The worst part, Dr. White, is to hear the, the, just the average Mr. Everyman, like H.G. Wells, uh, black person, and they think that, you know, he he's the savior, and our Cadillac Escalades are going to go on sale for 9000 I know that sounds racial, but that's how they, this is exactly how these black people out here act. Like Barack yeah. Obama's going to save them and save their crappy job or whatever. And I'm like, what, what you know, you hear these guys, these guys, what jobs are Barack Obama promising to keep in America with the police? Because yeah. most of the industry is already gone. I mean, I don't know if you ever noticed, but everything in, China, everything <laughs> yeah, in Walmart is made in China or Malaysia or wherever. Yeah. You but I, mean? I'll, I'll have to go into their callers. I'm sorry. Okay. okay. But, but Thank thanks you, for well. calling. Yeah. Thanks for calling. Uh, now we've got David uh, from South Carolina. There, are you there, David? Hello, Alan. It's wonderful to speak with you. How are you doing? Yeah, the quick thing for the Keith there, that was a great point he made, was that uh, everyone is so busy surviving that they just don't want to hear it when you interfere with, and get in their little space and say, hey, things aren't just wonderful. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, my in-laws are like that. But I, I appreciate the purity of your work. Uh, it's genuine and everything you put out. I've been catching up on some of your transcripts and things. I try to listen to your show every time I, it comes on, and I'm glad you're going to be on for five days. Mm-hmm. Starting next week, I think. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, that's, that's absolutely great. And uh, I'm doing this suicidal thing. I thought, well, if I'm not getting <laughs> any money coming in, I'll, I'll do the least thing expected and go down in flames. So I'll give it one last push and then decide what I'm going to do, yeah. That's wonderful. But um, let's see. um, Okay, considering uh, now uh, when you were referring to Toynbee and his um, 
predictions, I suppose, for the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of dovetailed into what I was going to ask you about anyway, um, which the likelihood, uh, okay, considering the like the financial crisis is kind of, I know it's engineered, but maybe it's got out of hand. But I know they want to break the United States. That's yeah. one of the most important goals is to get the global governance going, mm-hmm. smash the United States. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be global war or, you know, like an internal breakdown. And mm-hmm. It's going to be sort of heading towards a internal destruction, and it sort of seems to be the case. Uh, it's the case, but I think what but, but even Obama's talking about is uh, – uh, is falling right in line with what the CFR and all the other big think tanks have been advocating for the last few years, and that's a new economic system, uh, a system which takes, in, and he said it himself, it will take into account the environment. Uh, it, so you're looking at the greening project, the carbon offsets, all the stuff that Kyoto brought in, uh, and coupled with government now being involved with the banking system, which means government now will make policies for the people who hold bank accounts. They'll tell you, if you can, this is coming, this will come down the road, what you can buy as an individual and then how much money you can take out of that account for what purposes and so on, and it will be used as a tool to keep you in, under control and very politically correct. Because Bertrand Russell said that years ago, they bring in a system of credits. See, money is just a credit. It's whatever they want to call it. And when government's involved, they'll issue your, your credits in the new world system that will come. It might be a few years yet, this, this final stage of it. But if you've been a bad boy and antisocial, they'll withhold your credits because the government now is in your bank account. And that, that's, they've been working on this for 40 years. Yeah, along those lines today, uh, my son-in-law showed me this new job he's got. They are giving him a card. Is that's how they pay him now? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. And uh, as far as it goes, I know um, they they brought back uh, a lot of the brigades here to the states. Yeah. Uh, the guys who were front line kicking indoors all that all that time and you know four tours of duty and everything. Yeah. And they're janissaries and they will shoot us. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no doubt about it. They will. Uh, not yes. all of them, but yeah. Yeah. Well, we're definitely on a roll now into the new system. One final question for you. Uh, yeah. You might know about this. Of course, I'm sure you've heard of this before, but um, are we in the era of the revelation of the method considering what the, what's going on now? Well, what we do know is they've been following these boys' revelations for a long time. And you understand even the high mystery religions or, or that very high Freemasonry and all their other associated groups, um, they will claim at the top that revelations was put out by one of their boys because it's written in their mystic language. Mm-hmm. Uh, here you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John written very plainly and simply for a child to read, and suddenly you go into Revelations, and it's written in such mystical language with many different levels of meaning, and you can see from either, either side too, there's always two ways of looking at what they're saying, um, that it's agnostic writing, and therefore they've been following Revelations to the letter. At one time they had talks about this in, in the, the big think tanks, when they talked about the, the, com- the possibility of using space invasion, would, would that work? Would that bring the world together? Would the people yeah. believe it? But they also thought, well, there were so many Christians at one time in the United States. Could they actually bring and follow a revelation scenario and get them all to back them, thinking this was the will of God? I mean, these guys have looked at every possible thing to do with culture and tradition and religion to see if they can use it. Just as they're using it now, they're, they're using ethnologists and uh, historians uh, with military combat teams abroad to look at their cultures and see what they can use against their target populations. 
So this isn't new. This is an old technique, and they're certainly following revelations to the letter. Yeah. From the olden times, they don't measure. You understand, if you were to measure the new Israel, which is not a place on earth, mm. it's a cube. It's a perfect squared cube. That's what they're showing you in the mystery the temple. <laughs> and that's the Borg ship. The Borg ship, you'll notice, yeah. in the perfect society, it was called the Hive. It was a perfect cube. Wow, that's amazing that you pointed that out. I never even thought about that way. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for all your work, and I look forward to hearing you next week. Okay, thanks for calling. Thank you. Have a good evening. You too. Now, Dale from Michigan there. You there, Dale? Yes. Um, you mentioned that someone asked me if I had taped the um, Obama's acceptance speech, so I turned to C-SPAN, and they showed Michelle Obama was dressed in a horrible dress and I said something to my husband about it because it was black with a red hourglass shape yeah. on the front which has black widow written all over it yes and, I and his tie was red Obama's tie was red and black stripes uh-huh yeah. but I just wondered if that meant that uh, he is marked for death they keep drawing the parallel that he is something like a Kennedy although I think Kennedy woke up to what was actually going on around him, and mm -hmm. I think that his, he knew that his father was uh, something disgusting also. Oh, sure. Um, I, th I think the black, black and red, again, were the colors of uh, the revol revolutionary part of Nazism for their, for their flag. Mm -hmm. And it's also the cardinal colors. The cardinal wears the two colors. It's really a purplish color and a red, red <coughs> and a black, and the purplish color signifies a new dawn. He used that term new dawn in his speech, in fact. It was full of that and uh, light coming in and so on. Illumined uh, language. We'll be back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I'm Alan Watt, cutting through the matrix. And just before about the next color, I was mentioning the colors. Colors are very important. Uh, when you, you see them, especially after elections and during major speeches, because the, the Masons are taught what the colors are all, what they all mean. And sometimes you'll see different parties wearing the same colored ties and so on, uh, meaning they're all on board together with this agenda, regardless of what they're saying to the public during debates. So there's a coded language. It uses many, many forms of the code, but, but yeah, red and black is very significant, uh, the Nazi flag was supposedly dipped in blood at Nuremberg, or, or the big push they had, in fact, that Hitler had when a lot were killed before he got into power, and that became standard on that flag. And black also, remember, is significant by law, not just any kind of law, but ultimate law. It's a law, it's a color of execution, if need be. And we should always remember that, too, because... Enforcement is now coming on a social level. And when you get socialized medicine, you're going to get pushed to the fore as a mandate, a must-be. Why is it a must-be? Because the League of Nations, which turned into the United Nations, said they were going to inoculate everyone in the planet eventually by law for everything. And since we do know that most of these inoculations have nothing to do with what they tell us, and so these big companies that make inoculations are like armed fortresses and always have been, it makes you wonder what's really in the serums they're giving the public. But we can certainly follow the consequences in health ever since we've been getting them. 
that's no big secret. Now we've got Phil in California. Are you there, Phil? Hey, Alan. Nice chatting with you. Yes. Go ahead. Uh, could you comment on uh, NAFTA, what's going to happen? I think, what, 210 is supposed to go down? Yes. Uh, the CBC, again, in Canada here, shows you them signing the integration, the closer tie deals, that they call them. Uh, start, they started in 2005 with the Prime Minister and the two presidents signing it in Waco. And they said they had another bunch to go through up to the year 2010. And once that was done, we were totally integrated economically, um, integrated through security, etc. In other words, we're, we're, we are a European Union-type deal, and that will be completed in 2010. Um, we already have them sharing all data, security data and criminal data in Canada and the States. They're also sharing um, certain things to do with import duties, export tariffs and all the rest of it. That's integrated as well. And so there's not much left to do except once it's all done, is to start implementing it and allowing the public to know that they now belong to the Americas. Uh, and that will be done rather swiftly, I do believe. What's, uh, they're, what's they're the using with the terrorism the borders again. They evaporate? Pardon? With the borders, will they evaporate? No, no, they won't evaporate just like that. They want this compulsory ID card. And uh, see, that's what they use in Europe. Uh, every car in Europe is chipped by law. And you can't, yeah, you can drive all the way to Russia, but you're monitored everywhere you go, every step of the, the stage. And you have your ID card as well with an active chip in it. So uh, eventually that will be the way. And they don't want people just rushing en masse anywhere they want to go. Look at the, the precautions Britain has taken to, to keep them out from flooding across the, the, the tunnel, in fact, in Britain. Mm. So it's going to be selected labor only that will be allowed to travel in this brave new world. The rest of you will be trapped behind a border because you have, have, the big corporations have no need of your labor as a traveler. See, under NAFTA, it's the UN too. It's a free flow of capital and labor, but essential labor only. Okay. Right. Now, Thanks from Hamish myself, in a very wet, pouring wet Ontario, Canada, it's a good night, and may your God, or your gods, go with you.